0: What's staggering is the extent to which the bank have messed this up. And I mean, we've been screaming about this for months, and now the tabloid press have caught up. You know, Andrew out to lunch, Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, you know, talk about asleep at the wheel. I mean, goodness me. Uh, They've underestimated it, didn't see it coming, said it was transitory. Now they're panicking. And what the markets are saying very clearly is that interest rates will rise by a further 2% between now and May of next year. so, whichever way you cut it, uh, things for the UK economy are very difficult at the moment.
1: Hello, and welcome to this week's Fortune and Freedom Week in Review. My name's Rob Marstrand. I'm filling in for Nick Hubble this week, who's moving house, so we wish him luck with that. I'm joined as ever by Nigel Farage. Nigel, hello, how are you?
0: Yeah, fine, thank you. And obviously, looking at economic affairs with great interest. Uh, Starting with the inflation figures yesterday, worse than forecast, and now the highest inflation rate in the G7.
1: Not pretty. Yeah, quite dramatic. I'm um, just to remind people of those figures, the CPI consumer price inflation over 10%, the old retail prices index over 12%. This is staggering, isn't it?
0: Well, what's staggering is the extent to which the bank have messed this up. And I mean, we've been screaming about this for months, and now the tabloid press have caught up. You know, Andrew out to lunch Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, you know talk about asleep at the wheel i mean goodness me uh, they, they've underestimated it didn't see it coming said it was transitory now they're panicking and what the markets are saying very clearly is that interest rates will ri- rise by a further two percent between now and may of next year um so whichever way you cut it uh, things for the uk economy are very difficult at the moment
1: Yeah, well, of course, if rates do go up another 2%, that's going to have a big implication for anybody that has a mortgage that's on a variable rate or about to come off a fixed rate. Um, So that could create a big problem for for people that are very leveraged in that way. Um, An interesting uh, point also is that uh, deposit rates at the banks haven't been going up as fast as lending rates have. Now, there is a good reason for that, uh, I believe. Which is that all the money printing has created a glut of savings essentially in the banking system, so they're not competing for savings. Um, so we're stuck in the situation where lending is getting more expensive, but you're not getting paid to keep money. So it makes it more important than ever, I think, to find ways to to invest in other other places to put your money.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, money stuck in cash is devaluing at ten percent per annum, isn't it? I mean, it's just as simple as that. Um, so I mean, we 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 obviously have talked hugely. Um, as an organisation about inflation starting in January last year, I'd remind people, um, and we do in fact at the moment, have a much more extended conversation on inflation, what we can do about it, um, which is out there available, it was launched last week, and that's a product that says to people, look, you know, here are ways that we suggest where you can at least uh, try not to lose money in these situations, and hopefully make." And, and, and there's a lot of history, that even with inflationary periods, investors can
1: still make money. Yes, well, we'll we'll put a link to that video that Nigel has made about uh, inflation and how to deal with below this video. Um, so those interested can have a look at that. So thanks for reminding us about that, Nigel. Um, and of course, this is a global problem, um, but it seems that the UK is suffering a little bit more than some other major countries because the pound has been weak as well, because the Bank of England's been so slow to raise interest rates.
0: Yeah, we're a nation that imports a lot. So a weak pound means higher prices for all sorts of manufacturers and, of course, foods as well. I mean, for example, pasta is the inflation rate on pasta is 24%. You know, these are very, very big numbers, very, very real numbers um, affecting an awful lot of people. And the very funny Matt cartoon in Today's Telegraph it's a kid on a computer, and the parents are saying, Well, surely you don't want to get a 9000 pound a year debt going to university i mean you could buy a chicken and a packet of lurpak for that um, So it's kind of making a joke of it but no the truth is food costs up energy costs hugely up um and your mortgage up so kind of that 25 to 50 year old bracket uh, you know they are facing very very big increases in bills we also learned this week that real, real wages are falling between three and 4% a year. So we're getting pay increases, but not at the rate of inflation. And that was before the latest inflation figures. It's probably more like 5% per year. So these are very, very tough times. Uh, the Labour Party this week have finally come out with a policy. I mean, goodness me, it's taken a bit of time. Um, I and mean, he's nicked it straight from the Lib Dems and it's to cap, you know, the max, Uh, £1,971 for the the bills per household for energy, Um, short term, politically very attractive, very, very attractive in a society where we're getting more and more used to government doing everything for us, in a society where we believe if anything goes wrong, it's the state that must bail us out. And that psychology quite deeply reinforced during the pandemic through furlough, etc., Uh, bounce-back loans that don't get repaid, et cetera. Um, So short-term, it's popular, even among Conservative voters. But, you know, longer-term, everything tells us there is a huge danger in trying to cap things. Uh, I know you live in Argentina, which is a complete basket case. Uh, And, and, but, but there is a relevance here, that one of the ways in which Starmer wants to fund the 29 billion this would cost for, and that's just for the first six months, by the way, is to remove the incentive for energy companies that are making big profits to reinvest in the North Sea. So if you cap prices, that sounds great. But actually, what you do is you are preventing future investments. So longer term, you're causing even more problems for supply. And no one's talking about supply. I mean, no one. Nowhere in the press, uh, Well, with the odd exception, but the very few places in the press. Um, Labour, Conservative, there was a summit in Downing Street last week, Boris Johnson, the Business Secretary, the Chancellor, the boss of Eon, the boss of Ofgem, a sort of 15-point resume of the meeting, only one of the 15 points about supply, saying we encourage long-term investment in the North Sea. Uh, so there are two problems. You know, One is clearly bills and affordability, but the second is the lights could go out next February. I mean, this is real. Now, at last, they're gonna reopen the rough storage depot up on the East Coast and, and, and give us a bit more capacity. But even with that open, you know, in terms of gas, at the moment, we've got two days, gas reserves, two days. So you've got a big anticyclone, the wind turbines don't work, you've got a major problem. So, so, So look, every country in the West has got these difficulties. In some ways, the economic debate is coming into sharper focus in Britain because there is a leadership election going on for the Conservative Party for our next Prime Minister. So there's a huge debate about whether we put taxes up, whether we keep or we'll keep what they are, or whether we, apart from business taxes, which due, due to rise sharply, whether we bring them down. Uh, there is at least something of a debate going on in energy, but it's not, frankly, enough. Starmer has triggered this. Do we have price caps? So economics actually now are being debated. And Liz Truss, well, wash your mouth out with soap and water. She has dared to suggest that British workers have been too lazy. And that's one of the reasons our productivity is down. And that's the biggest problem in in the UK economy over 20 years. We've relied on vast amounts of imported unskilled labour flooding into Britain, from Europe, and indeed from all over the world. And our productivity has gone down with that. So, as I say, economics very much at the center of who the next prime minister is going to be. It looks like Truss is going to win. She is saying, she is saying some very radical things that she would make big economic changes if she becomes prime minister. Uh, we'll see, we'll see, you know, are these promises just to get elected or is she really going to have a go and take some risks to try and liven up the british economy so it's 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 going to be a very interesting september it really is
1: well i have to say from this part of the world it's tragicomic watching all the western politicians flailing around and coming up with the same daft stuff they've been doing here for decades and i can promise you price controls and windfall taxes result in shortages um yeah, i would like to see personally i don't know what you think i'd like to see a bit of leadership with the west getting together and working out how they can sort out the supply issue because uh, I can't see Russia turning the tap back on again anytime soon. So I don't know what you think about that.
0: Well, no, I mean I, I think the West getting together to do it is an even worse idea. Uh, the thought that we the, the thought that we reenter a sort of European partnership for energy, forget it. We've seen what they've done. They've made themselves wholly reliant on Russia. Um, no, I think what we're learning from Ukraine, from knock on effects, from global shortages that we've got after a closure with the pandemic, is that you have to do these things at a national level. And, that it isn't, and, and in this case, it isn't just about economics. It's about security. There is a thing called national security. It is a responsibility of national government to keep the blooming lights on. And the last time the lights went off in this country, the Conservatives lost the election. I mean, you know, remember that. That's what happened. That is what happened. Now, different reasons. That was a battle with the Miners' Union but it did cost the government it did cost them the election um so i think we have to think of a national energy strategy that aims at self-reliance that aims at energy independence and albeit slightly from the sidelines i'm going to be pushing that as hard as i can And, and and let's see let's see what trust does when i i think when she when she faces the enormity of the challenges I doubt she's got the courage of her convictions to follow through, but I hope I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, look, I totally agree with you on the need for more supply because of the security issue. and I think that applies, by the way, to food too. And going back to your point about pasta prices, and um, the Italians must be practically in revolution by now, I think, but um, but yeah, we do need more energy production. Uh, as a reminder, I mean, North Soil and Gas, with the latest windfall tax from Rishi Sunak, is now taxed at 65% on their profits, uh, which is a phenomenal amount. Yeah, uh, That's really basically is. saying, Take your money elsewhere and invest in a more in a more friendly environment. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going the right but direction on that. I mean, despite all of this, um,
0: there have been some quite big rallies in the stock markets. We've seen commodity prices ease as China pursues their zero Covid lunacy. Um, and it's been quite surprising to look at some of the indices over the course of the last few weeks. And it really has been quite a summer rally.
1: It absolutely has. Um, I'm doubtful how long it can last. Personally, I, I suspect you are too. Um, on the oil front, it's interesting. There's a, there seems to be a range of views. Uh, some people, some investment banks, coming out saying they think the oil price is going to go down. Others are coming out saying they think it's going to go up. I, I read one piece by a big investment bank suggesting $150 a barrel, which is 50% more than the current level, by the end of this year. Uh, and the reason for that, large part, was as Europe desperately scrambles to get off gas. To produce electricity, they're actually switching back into oil to produce electricity. And there could be as much as 2 million barrels a day of extra demand, which is about 2% of global annual uh, daily consumption. So it could get worse. Look, you know, the markets are expecting inflation
0: to come back down. You know, the Bank of England's projection, it goes up and it comes straight back down. That's what everyone's saying. Um, and the slowing of China, whilst not good for the world economy, uh, is, they think, a sign. The inflation forecasts are right. I still think the nasty shocks um are more likely if they come to outweigh the good news. And so, I too, very skeptical of this stock market rally. I, you know, I wouldn't be piling in uh to companies with high P/E ratios or back into tech at this moment. uh I just think, you know, in the battle to look for value, the companies that pay good dividends uh, and actually make stuff that they sell, um, I think. Uh, I think we would afford. I think this is a moment we can afford to be patient.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Nigel. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts this week. Remember, everyone, uh, to take a look at the video below. We'll put a link uh, so you can have a look at that. And Nick should be back with you next time. Thank you very much. Cheers.